Hello? What's your favorite scary movie? Fear the Talking Queer. Part 2. Two? Who'd want to do that? Sequels suck. Hey, bitch. Hey, bitch. Once again, hey, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I'm sort of feeling a strange sense of deja vu, aren't you? Uh, You know what? It kind of just feels like we've done this all before. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's true, we have. And um, so before we uh, start off... um, This is me, Jake, talking, and I would just like to say if I could give any advice to anybody wanting to start a podcast or do pretty much anything with technology, my biggest piece of advice is to um, properly save your work. Because... Because if not, then you can have a situation like we've had this week where we recorded an entire episode and then your audio just gets deleted. Oh my God. Literally, there was no audio on Jake's end. (laughs) (laughs) Silence. I was like... I was so upset. I was like, no, because honestly, I thought that we created something so great with the Queen of the Damned episode that we recorded. I was so excited for it. <laughs> and then, you know, I it just got all fucked up. You know what? It is what it is. It is what it is, because at Fear the Talking Queers, we are prone to mistakes. You know what I mean? Like, um, Oh, my bitch. We are no stranger <laughs> to technical difficulties. No stranger. In the Fear episode, I accidentally recorded in my laptop microphone. So that's why you notice like <laughs> a strange strange difference in quality on my end and then in and then in valentine i made sure that i was recording out of my microphone but because i have it like on the podcast setting it only records from one side and i recorded on the opposite side and so my audio in valentine is muffled because of that so oh god we've had so it's so crazy we had such a smooth season one and honestly season two came around and it's just whooping our ass I think it's uh, keeping us humble. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> because I'm just waiting to get to the day where we have like producers and <laughs> audio engineers. Oh, yeah. And all we have to do is be the face and the voice. But Oh, in- my God. Yeah, we can show up in our PJs with our iced coffee and sunglasses. Yeah. And um, do I sit here? Get in, get in and get out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, here. Okay. <laughs> Turn me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have our assistant, our assistant, you know. Jamesy, Jamesy, can you... uh, Can you just look that up really quick? Because I just want to make sure that that was her in that movie. (laughs) Thank you. Do you have my cell phone? Do you have my cell phone? Can I have it? Thank you. (laughs) Those will be the days. But until then, Jake and I are working hard on audio, editing, fucking marketing, merchandise. Oh, and speaking of merchandise, we have an announcement to make. (laughs) Oh, yes, we do, bitch. Yeah. Take it away. So everybody was getting their orders and they were loving what they got and they were sending us pictures and videos. And while everyone loved their product, Jake and I were looking at the photos very closely and we were like, the graphics that we designed and approved did not reflect into the printing. Like they just weren't as saturated and bold and bright as we wanted them to be. So we found a new distributor that prints the colors that we want, bitch. So now our merchandise is available directly through our website, which is super convenient. So fearthetalkingqueers.com slash store. And everything's on there. We have a new style also, a sort of Fear the Talking Queers movie poster style. 
Yes. Yeah, we have so many. Like the prints, yeah, they looked great. They just weren't vibrant. We want it bright. Right. We want it, you know, in your face like we are. Like our posts and everything else that goes with this Fear the Talking yeah. Queers. The name itself. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So if you uh, order one of those, please send us a picture of that. Because, again, we'd love to confirm that those look as amazing as, we, or as we're pretty sure they do. They do, yeah. I mean, we got proofs and they look great. So they should be up to the standard of quality that we're used to providing. <laughs> right, absolutely. And also, I mean, we're not going to spoil the surprise yet, but we actually might have some even more exciting merch coming out. Um, and I think that this is going to be a game changer because I know you, you, you're you going to want this, whatever, you know, what this item is. I'm excited for it. People that I know, everybody that I know that I've talked to about this, and it's a very small group, but every single one of them is like, oh my God, I want that. And all like, it's so cute. It's the, so cute. Yeah, the excitement is building. I'm excited. You're excited. I think everyone's going to be excited for this. It, you know, it's just something very personal to everybody. So I think it's just going to be really cool. Yeah. I think custom. That'll be your hint. Yeah. Just custom. Custom. Yeah. Custom. We're just <laughs> waiting on the proof, bitch. So in a couple of weeks, stay tuned because we will be announcing what this extra special surprise is. Yes. I can't wait. I, I know. cannot wait. All right. So to um, continue our little uh, February obsession. Uh, thing we've been doing all February. We are going to spin our little wheel here and we're going to pick something. I, I'm i going to spin it again. We had a whole, there's something about the spontaneity that I, of it that I think I enjoy. Yes. And um, so we're going to leave, we did a whole thing on uh, musicals we're obsessed with and maybe one day we'll, we'll dive into that. It. Yeah. But uh, we're going to see what, what the wheel gives us now. So okay. let, me, let me spin it real quick. I'm, I can't even believe you're doing this. I thought we were going to talk about it again. <laughs> oh my god but it is fun you're so. all prepared you have your notes <laughs> yeah. all right here we go oh my god what is this it funny. <laughs> what is something that you're obsessed with that your husband hates oh my god <laughs> Um, to start off with, I already have a few. Uh, yeah. yeah, go. Ahead. We might share one. Um, but maybe not. Horror movies is like <gasps> the number oh, one. Really? Thing. Yeah. I mean, I, he has his thing. Like honestly, like I just learned that Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Halloween are like in his top ten movies. But I. But that's because I, of you. That's because of me. Because I, sh- you know, I'm constantly throwing this yeah. shit in his face. Um, of but course. for the most part, like Same. he gets really. F- a lot of movies really affect him like he's kind of sensitive to the to the scares so he's not really big on horror movies but he'll sit through them but I mean that's like my thing and that's not his thing right of course yeah I I think that I've really opened Joey's eyes to it I don't know if he would ever like go out of his way to pick one to watch on his own ever but I think he's really gained an appreciation of them through you know, me talking about them on this podcast and having to watch them with him. And he does have an appreciation for it. He does not like when I put them on when I go to sleep, though. Like, because we usually fall asleep <laughs> with the TV on, right? Yeah. And sometimes I know he's not going to pay attention. Like, he'll be like stuck on his phone and then he'll, you know, once he puts it down, he'll like roll over away from the TV. So I'm like, okay, well, there are things that I want to watch. 
can't, I want to put on this horror movie, yeah. you know? And he's like, no, he's like, pick <laughs> something else. And so I, I totally get that. But, yeah. um, cause you know, he's trying to go to sleep and people are all, ah, screaming, dying. <laughs> dying. <laughs> yeah. Sweet screams. So I understand bitch. that one. <laughs> but I still do it. I still, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm still like, it's still going on. Luckily I have AirPods now. So now I just connect, you know, the move oh, to my AirPods. And, yeah. You know, you know. And, uh, okay, so for me, one of the things, that, the first thing that came to my head, this one's kind of funny, is uh, is ranch dressing. Oh, my Joey, God. <laughs> Joey hates ranch dressing. I can't what? even say that word. Ranch dressing. Ranch, he hates ranch it. Dressing. <laughs> ranch dressing. <laughs> no, he hates it. It's so crazy to me. I'm like, who actively hates ranch dressing but he thinks it's the most disgusting thing on the planet and i love it i love ranch yeah me too yeah, i can't ha- i can't have normal ranch anymore but you know there's all you know vegan alternatives to ranch like dairy free versions and <laughs> i think it's so good i love it wow okay so another thing that <laughs> would be um usually it's like taste levels right like my music taste does not appeal to him and neither his right. doesn't mine. He likes slow, chill, relaxed, R&B mostly, you know. And right. Like, but I like like rap, like just like when they're rapping about, you know, everything. I don't even really listen to the words. It's more so the beats for me. And he's just like, I'm okay. trying to relax and get in the zone. And I'm like, well, I'm trying to get hype for the day. So <laughs> I need the beat. I need the Megan Stallion, the Cardi B. I need it all. Oh and my he's God. like, mm, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever. <laughs> oh my gosh, fun fact. Joey has a friend who's designed a lot of drag for him who um, is making like gloves for Megan the Stallion. Isn't that <gasps> exciting? Oh my God. Um, can you imagine? I know. That's like, I'm like three degrees away from Megan the Stallion. You so are. I I'm, I am <laughs> jealous, bitch. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wait, yeah, no, that makes to- total sense. Joey and I, I think, have the same. We have like really similar tastes in music. Mm-hmm. However, he is very much a creature of habit who likes the same like five artists. Okay. He's like, it's the, and so he he's not one. Like I am constantly on the search for the newest. Like every Friday, like today. Friday, I went right to my Spotify to new releases to my my release radar where it gives me I love all that. the new things and I I yes. love listening to new albums I love listening to new singles like I love it Joey's like I'm good I got my <laughs> several artists that I love and I will keep them on rotation and yeah. so you know but I mean luckily it's music that I enjoy too it's like yeah, you know that's good that's like, always good a lot, lot of Gaga a lot of J Lo a lot of you know, but then he, but then he also likes you know, gay icons like he loves Madonna and Gloria Stefan and and all these people. So it's like we he has a good yeah handful. But sometimes I'm all like I want to listen to this new album while we're getting ready, and he's like, ugh, can you just play something that we both like? Oh <laughs> you know? yeah, that's funny. I know that's like when Andre tries to play his R and B, and I'm like. And I just put on one song that I want, and it's like, shake that ass and do the splits. And, da, 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 da. and he's like, what is this? And I'm like, what? This is a new artist I found on Spotify. So I love using that feature yeah, too. Yeah, totally. But then, so that, that brings me to another one that he cannot stand mm-hmm. is, uh, is an artist he can't stand who I 
used to really love, and I still love her, but, you know, she has her problematic moments, but I I love Lana Del Rey. I, you know, I love her music. Yes. I've loved her music since she first came out, mm-hmm. and Joey cannot stand her, and that's one of the one thi- one artists maybe he, like, he, like, will not budge on. Like, sometimes I can be like, what about, like, this? Like, maybe you'll like this song, and he's like, no. <laughs> Is it her melancholy? Yes, he, he does not like... Uh, what's the word? He doesn't like people who sing without like intensity. Oh, yes, very blase. Right. Oh, he hates it. He hates. He hates any song that sounds like this. You know, like <laughs> you know, like yeah. that new song, Dri- like that new song, Driver's License, that everybody is obsessed with. You don't, do you know that song? No, I live in a different world of music, I guess. <laughs> oh, literally. No, it's like the biggest song right now oh. on pop radio. It's by a girl who was on uh, High School Musical, the musical, the series. It's like the girl <laughs> that plays like the main girl on it. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> she, has, she has a new single called Driver's License, which is very, which is very you know, Taylor, like new Taylor Swift, like sort okay. of folky, oh, uh, yes. whatever. Like folk and it's pop. like the hugest song. You know, very, yeah. Almost like a sad Billy. It's like sad girl music, and Joey yes. can't stand it. And not that I like that driver's license song either. I don't particularly care for it, but he just hates singers that sing with no intensity. Yeah, I he doesn't. Feel he that. doesn't like me. He doesn't like meandering vocals. Like he like grew up <laughs> loving Whitney Houston. Oh, know, like, I mean, incomparable. Oh yeah, absolutely. But like that's just where his mind goes. So like an artist like Lana Del Rey is the exact opposite of, <laughs> of yeah. what his musical. T- and sometimes, sometimes I'll just be feeling my sad girl oats, and she's like, "Who I'll put on?" Right? And he to get can't that take vibe. it. He's like, "He's uh-huh. like, turn that shit off, turn her ass off. She can't sing. She sucks." And I'm like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> I'll have I have one more, and this is a silly okay. one, but it's uh, taking hot ass showers. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of funny because it's I sort of feel the same way. We sort of fight over the the heat. Like, I love taking hot-ass showers, and then Andre will have to, like, use the bathroom, so he'll come in, and it's full of fucking steam, and he's like, are you kidding? Do you really need it boiling hot? I'm like, it's sanitizing. (laughs) (laughs) sanitizing. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Yeah. The things you do when you're a couple. I know. Compromise is the best you know, is the best way to deal with these things. And I do have to say, for all, all the gays out there who are not in a committed relationship yet and haven't lived with like a significant other, you literally never know somebody until you live with them. That is the goddamn truth. Mm-hmm. Like, I I can't imagine, I couldn't imagine, like, you know, those fucking straight ass people who wait <gasps> till they're marriage. married to, <laughs> to move in with each other. I'm like... That's why the divorce rate in those couples is high. Right, totally. And if you've done that and it's worked for you, great. But I just personally couldn't imagine living with it because it's such a different animal it's it, it requires so much patience and learning a lot about each other and learning about what you what you don't like about the other person and how right. do you personally deal with it because it's not up to you to change them no you have, you to, have to compromise. compromise and work yeah but i'm luckily for us it's worked out we you know you eventually get into a rhythm and you and you know what each other likes and don't like and yeah um and it can be harmonious and happy, but you know, yeah. I can imagine just and thinking that I knew everything about somebody without living with them. Seriously. And by the way, happy belated anniversary. Oh, thank Seven you. Seven years. Yes. 
seven years. Oh my god! Yes, lucky number seven. Yeah, that is the seven-year itch. So watch out. <laughs> oh shit! No, yeah, believe me, <laughs> you're, not, you're not the first person to bring that up. <laughs> right, I know. I think it's definitely true. We we just made it past our seven, so we're at eight now. So we're like Congrats. like sister couples. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're like sort of on the same we're in the same part of our journey with our with our men's Yeah, in our lives. <laughs> yeah, in our begging lives and now we're like business partners and co hosts and we're just I know. Yeah. We have our own show. I mean it's just like <laughs> Yeah. We're like we're equally symbiotic but also like yin and yang. Yeah, it's we're like, like totally different. We're like swirl ice cream. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, like we're in the same cone but we're totally separated yes yeah we're yeah exactly we're not the same but we work well together yeah (laughs) this is beautiful i'm hungry (laughs) (laughs) i want some french fries i can dip them in some ice cream now (laughs) i was a french french fries (laughs) french fries (laughs) i know that sounds good i know Mm. so good okay well i think that somehow leads us into our movie this week mm-hmm. which um you know hey do you know what? i we eat french fries vampires eat people there we go there's our second yeah we're in relationships and akasha wants to be in a relationship <laughs> yeah yeah she just she's really desperate to leave her current man for a new one and so yeah this brings us to our movie which is queen of the damned yes the controversial ba- queen of the damned yes based on the book from the vampire chronicles written by Anne rice who absolutely hates this movie <laughs> Yes, she does. She despises this movie because it ain't a goddamn thing like what she created. I know. I'd be pissed pissed too. We got a firsthand account. So Rum and Blood, who's um, who we communicate with on Instagram, commented on our Queen of the Damned announcement. Ooh, our 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 sexy little Australian vampire. Vampire, yeah. And he says that, um, yeah, this movie broke his heart because it's just a piece of this um, beloved series. It's just, you know, brought to the life in film and it's just disappointing. Yeah, and it's a giant piece of garbage. I mean, it's not a giant piece of garbage. There are some redeeming factors and we will get into those. And uh, so why don't we get started and let's get into this synopsis of Queen of the Damned. Ooh, your breath. Just uh, <laughs> you can smell it through the speaker. <laughs> yeah. All right. You see how he obeys. You will, or you will all die. Queen of the Damned, released in 2002, written by Scott Abbott and Michael Petroni. Directed by Michael Reimer, based on the book of the same name from the Vampire Chronicles, written by Anne Rice. Our film begins with a short opening montage highlighting our titular character as a stone statue. Set in modern-day New Orleans, the vampire Lestat, played by Stuart Townsend, is awakened from decades of slumber by the sound of hard rock. Lestat laments eternity and the pain of having to spend it alone. When he drops in on the rock band who are playing in his old living quarters, he woos them with his voice and proceeds to take over as their lead singer. He even reveals his name and that he is in fact a vampire. Lestat is feeling better than ever and ready to live in the public eye. 
We then have an opening credit sequence, a goth rock music video starring Lestat, publicly making his existence as a vampire known to the world. Now having achieved international success, Lestat holds a press conference and taunts other vampires to reveal their existence while promoting his first and only live concert. He continues to live a rock star life, even having goth girl groupies delivered by his management for feeding time. Oh, okay. Can I just, before we start, can you um, do an impersonation, or an impersonation, impression of um, him on the amp singing that note <laughs> that catches their attention? How does he sound? He's like, oh, I can't It's do like it. two voices. Like, yeah, he has like split tone voices like like Layla Hathaway. <laughs> he's like, oh. <laughs> it's really- and then his mouth closes really slowly. He looks like a cartoon cat in this um, moment. <laughs> <laughs> and Anne Rice does, actually yeah, like said, the Cheshire cat. Yeah, and Anne Rice said that when she met with him because she's in love with Lestat, like let's face it, like yeah, is, for sure. She she wrote she this character to have the love of her life. Like come on. Yeah, so, like Stephanie Meyer did with Edward Cullen, then she's she's a thief, that bitch. Yeah, she is. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh when she met with Stuart Townsend um, she said that he does actually have a lot of the qualities that she wrote into the character of Lestat, including this mm. sort of feline grace. And I think that does translate into the movie. Oh, for sure. I do think that he's definitely graceful. Like, like he has a, yeah, like kind of a mysterious cat-like thing about him. Mm-hmm. Very, very broody and in the shadows. I do love that. I do like that about his performance. I will say, though, that I don't find his performance to be exceptionally charismatic no it's you not. know and i and i don't think that that is what the character of lestat is in her books you know or and mm-hmm. even tom cruise's performance which even though he was not necessarily anne rice's first pick for lestat back when interview with the vampire came out she was completely blown away by his performance and now she like swears by tom cruise she's like this is lestat i don't know i don't think that Stuart townsend and Tom Cruise and Lestat even exist in the same universe. They sort of are comp- they're very different. Like this yeah. Lestat seems, is so much more subdued and more broody which kind of seems more like other characters from the Vampire Chronicles or like more like maybe the Brad Pitt character Louis in Interview right. with the Vampire. So yeah. Can you imagine if Tom Cruise is in this? They asked him to play Lestat again in this. Oh my god, a hundred years later. That'd be horrible. (laughs) I know, he would have, I don't know what he would have done with this character. I mean... it's poorly written. Right, exactly. Like, had it been a a well-written version of Lestat and a well-written version of the story, of course, I'm sure he would have jumped at it. But I'm sure there's something about this, how this production came to be. Yeah. (laughs) um, That probably drove him away from saying yes something i don't know an inkling yeah just like a <laughs> gut feeling <laughs> um yeah. i do you have to say that the whole like premise of the rock band um like i know Anne rice in the book she writes about him sort of comparing him to like jim morrison and the music right. sort of you know being like the doors or something but in this it's like goth rock and it's like kind of scary yeah. right but um it's they could have gone <laughs> super corny with this like it could have looked super corny and i actually think that this rock band like the look the sound really really works right yeah and I think that sometimes in movies when they're trying to emulate like current pop music or current Uh. whatever music it's usually lack like a movie version of a song it's usually just never as good as one that's actually no you know 
on yeah. the radio or whatever. But I think that they did really well with this. I'm not exactly like the biggest fan of goth rock music, but I do really enjoy the soundtrack of this film. I and do. I think that honestly, I think it's a highlight. I think that they it did is. really well. They got um, Jonathan Davies from Corn to write it, and Corn was really big in the early 2000s, if I recall. Yeah, I remember they had a song on MTV called "Freak on a Leash" that scared me. I don't know. I, just, I think it was just like <laughs> this kind of music just like freaks me out. I think I it's know. just so intense. I'm like, oh my god. Can you imagine being a fan though of this band, the Vampire Lestat, and then going to the press conference and seeing him show up on the screen? Like, I would probably lose my shit. Like, if I were a fan, I'm like, oh ah! my god, like the way he's that like is... looking and everything. It's so cool. Oh my god, it is pure drama. Oh my god, like <laughs> calculated theatrics, out. like so dramatic. I love. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great moment. Yeah, you the know, band's is... marketing. If is I were Point. a fan yeah totally absolutely but um yeah i do really like the music in this movie i think it's it adds to the creepy factor i think because like the jim morrison thing obviously was of the times of the times <laughs> because the, i think the book came out in 1985 yeah and so for a 2002 audience i guess that makes sense like the evolution of of rock music and maybe where it was at the time um and just like the overall claiming of like the, the darkness and stuff that the that the goth movement has, mm-hmm. um, I think it. I think it. I think it's the perfect fit technically yeah, for this movie. Totally, it is. Yeah. So, what about this moment with the Rock of Love girls, the groupies? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Megan and Brandy C, Ashley and Farrah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Going in, I think this scene could have been so much scarier and creepier. Creepier in the least, but scarier. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's probably because of those, that weird visual effect that they have attached to these vampires. It is That's, very bizarre. That 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 fluid sort of mo- movement. I hate that. Yeah, yeah. And here's, okay, and here we go. Because I did this for the Lost Boys episode and oh, we're yes. doing it again. So this this is where we get into our vampire rules because every vampire film they always operate on different yeah they <laughs> yeah. introduce something new to the mythology yeah none of them are the same they're like vampire movies are like snowflakes they're all very unique <laughs> yes one of a kind one of a kind <laughs> so our vampire rule number one I would say is that they can f- move really fast but look like they're moving really slow <laughs> like this it's so strange this visual effect is like Bizarre. there's like they run and there's like there's like 10 of them trailing behind him like it's it's sort of a cheap looking effect to be honest it and I'm really assuming is. it's supposed to make them be fast but sort of makes them just look slow it does it makes them look really slow it's a flawed effect for sure yeah like why did they think that that was that was it. They looked at that. And, I mean, it's obviously a product of post-Matrix visual effects. Right. You know, everything totally. is very slow-mo and like... But without the budget of the Matrix. Yes, exactly. But honestly, so, the production design and the set design, do they did the best with that, I think, budget-wise. Like, I, I love this. I love the the um, grave that he sort of rises out of, that coffin the tomb with the, oh, yeah. with the skeleton draped, like, you know, the statue of the skeleton draped in, like, a cloth. Like, I love that. That was really... I thought that was exceptional. Oh, for sure. I mean, the production design is, is again, a highlight of this film. The film looks great. The film looks I great. I can't say that there's that there's anything visually about the film that I don't 
don't necessarily like. Yeah, it's the cinematography, the lighting, the set design. Yeah. Like, they all work very well together. Totally. And then so for our uh, vampire rule number two, uh, apparently they can crawl up walls, which <laughs> is, you know, uh, okay. Like spiders. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like fucking Spider-Man. Like, okay. Yeah, he like crawls up the wall, like scaring these Rock of Love girls. <laughs> and then sort of jumps on them and splats on them I'm like this that's where the scene could have been scarier and it wasn't the film sort of never goes that far to try to scare us no they should have had him and Andre said this was Andre's idea everybody that he should have crawled up the wall but the ceiling was so high that it's like darkness and then he turns and his eyes glow like that animalistic glow which is also I think a rule. Yeah, right? it's like yeah, that's like, that's like an honorary rule we, where they so, they have eyes like cats and dogs, like you know when they're in the dark yeah. and there's like a little light, and all of a sudden their eyes light up. Yeah, um, like an yeah, animal. So <laughs> yeah, yes. and he, they glow, so, and then yeah. he just pops out of the darkness and just starts ripping at their flesh. That would have been cool, but it's like this moment of like just uncomf- discomfort, like <laughs> them of the fact that he fell on them. <laughs> yeah, it looks like he's like squashing them, and they're like, ah, they're like sort they're of like wriggling. wriggling around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what is this? I'm like, okay, good, good job, guys. Okay, yeah. I guess we get the picture of what you're doing, but it it looks stupid. As a horror audience member, you watch that scene and you're just left there like. Uh, okay. You're like, that's it? (laughs) All right. Work. Okay, cool. (laughs) Our last vampire rule, this one's pretty standard. They drink blood. Oh. You know. Yeah, that's something very unique to this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they drink blood. Isn't that unique? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. What do you say we move on? Yeah. Jesse Reeves, played by Marguerite Moreau. Marguerite Moreau. Mar bonjour, je m'appelle Marguerite Moreau. I'm here to eat baguettes and kiss Lestat. Yeah. Marguerite Moreau eats macarons. <laughs> Jessie is a researcher for the paranormal studies group Talamasca. She has a dream recalling herself as a young child being sent to live away by her aunt Maharet, played by Lena Olin. Who weeps blood. Yes, she does. Mm, I know, sexy. Jesse awakes and is intrigued by Lestat's lyrics after hearing one of his songs play on MTV. (laughs) Yes. I'm Serena Atchul, and this is MTV News. I was like, oh my God, flashback. Yeah. Blast from the past. So she tells the rest of the Talamaskans her theory that Lestat is really a vampire. They scold her for placing herself in danger by visiting and photographing a location she believes is a vampire coven. Her mentor, David Talbot, played by Paul McGann and his toupee. (laughs) It's like plaster to his head. It is so distracting. I forgot to credit his toupee. Sorry. So thank you for... (laughs) A wig, yeah. (laughs) He takes her aside and tells her they know what Lestat is and that a vampire called Marius made him. David has had a fascination with Marius and has collections of several paintings that Marius appears in through the decades. Which I love. It's it's hilarious. It's like photobombing. It's like old-timey photobombing. Yeah. He's like in the background the back- of some paintings. Yeah. <laughs> like, He's like, a, like subtly just like in the background. Yes. Like posing. I was like, I don't know if that's... A- I don't know if that's how paintings work, that you can just <laughs> kind of appear in a painting. Yeah, they're just painting a moment in time, and this man just happens to be in the background. <laughs> and they're like, gotta paint him, gotta paint him. Yeah. 
the same man through centuries of artwork. <laughs> yeah, and he's like in the background, like, hey. Peace sign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With a selfie stick. Yes. <laughs> David also shows her Lestat's journal that he recovered and gives it to Jesse for her to read on the condition that she promises not to go back to the Admiral's Arms, a London vampire club. In the journal, Lestat recalls the night he was turned by Marius on a remote island in the Mediterranean. <laughs> I love that Ooh, word. <laughs> I know, it's so, it just rolls off the tongue so yeah. beautifully. Mediterranean. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> After he is turned, Marius helps guide Lestat through vampire life, instructing him to never drink the last drop of blood from a victim as it will lead to death. Is that another rule? Yes, it's another rule and some very obvious foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lestat is also appalled to learn that he may never know any human for the safety of the vampire race and will have to navigate this life alone forever. <laughs> uh. Lestat learns this for himself after an encounter with two Romanian musicians. <laughs> I almost said magicians again. This happened last time too. <laughs> They are frightened by Lestat, forcing him to end their lives. Back on Marius's island, Lestat plays on his body. <laughs> Lestat I plays- love that show. Right? <laughs> Marius's island. Okay. Island. Lestat plays on his violin, but the bow is magically whisked away from his hands and leads him to a secret passage. In the secret chamber, Lestat finds ancient statues of two vampires who sit on royal thrones. King Ankinkle. <laughs> King Kankle. King Kankle. King Ankle. This is like a Mario character. <laughs> and Queen Akasha, played by the princess of R&B, Aaliyah. R.I.P. Aaliyah. Dun 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 dun. Yeah. Dun 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 Oh, they should have played that like like a like an orchestral version of that. Oh my god, you imagine if they had composed an orchestral version of Akasha's voice infiltrates Lestat's head and he begins to drink from her wrist. Lestat is then overcome with visions of Akasha and Ankle on a global murderous spree. Marius discovers an unconscious Lestat and chains him to a bed. Lestat awakens, ravenous for more of her blood, but Marius tells him that he has seen too much and that awakening Akasha could mean the destruction of human and vampires alike. And she and King Ankle almost drained the entire world in the days of ancient Egypt. Later, Lestat awakens to find that Marius has taken the statues of Ankle and Akasha, leaving Lestat abandoned. Oh no, poor Lestat, I'm so alone. Yeah, forlorn and alone. (laughs) (laughs) So um, in this section, we uh, first, this is our first meeting of the character of Jessie. She's our pesky little plucky heroine. Yeah. Who, um, she's played by Marguerite Moreau, who's, she's very cute, I guess. Yeah, she's fine. uh, And yeah, and that's exactly how I would describe her in this movie. She is fine. Yeah, but I also, it's a, one of those things where also, like, she's she's super pretty, and she looks great, but she sort of does lack that charisma also. Um, but I think what yeah. kind of elevates her character are her fashion choices. This, Oh, yeah, no, she, she has some cute, cute ensemble. Ensemble, so, yeah. This <laughs> red jacket with all the accoutrement. Accoutre- oh, my God, it's so high fashion. It's couture. <laughs> 
Hit-Kutir. It does look like Hit-Kutir. Like, I was like, wow, this is like a stunning jacket. Like, I don't know who should be wearing this, but I don't think it's Jessie. <laughs> I think it's probably, uh, she's modeling it for uh, that makeup line by Telemasca. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a makeup line? It does. Telemasca, born to be beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. New volumizing lashes by Telemasca. Uh, Telemascara. <laughs> that is so what a weird dumb. name. I hate you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Anne Rice. Cool. Telemasca. But yeah, she's uh, so she doesn't really. Her character doesn't even really have any standout moments in this movie. I feel mm-hmm. like she's not. Ge- she's not really written very well, and she's, she's sort of not an afterthought. Much to do. She's yeah. sort of an afterthought, and she sort of spends the film making very poor decisions that you're yeah. just like, why, why, Jesse, are you putting yourself in these situations over and over again? Yeah. If the, honestly, if they did a rewrite of the script and took her out of it and her backstory. It would be the same movie. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> like I don't, I like I don't know that her import. I don't really see her importance in the story. No, it, it just kind of, I guess, pushes the story forward, or at least gives the ending some sort of purpose, like how it ends. Sure, the, you know, right? Of course, they're like we'll looking for the heart of the story, but honestly, Lestat should be the heart of the story. Yeah, Jesse. Speaking of Lestat. Now we get to Lestat's backstory, which is completely butchered by the screenwriters. Oh my god. Um, I personally, I've read Interview with the Vampire, and I've read probably about half of the Vampire Lestat, and this was a long time ago, so I'm not up to date with it currently. But in my research, I was like, oh yeah, none of this shit ever happened. Like he wasn't even turned by Marius. Like that's not even the vampire that made him into a vampire. He was made into another vamp or made into a vampire by another vampire named Magnus. And Magnus killed himself immediately after turning Lestat. Oh, so he didn't which, coach him. No, so he had nobody sort of leading him through his you know journey as we mm. see Marius do here and which comes into play later which is when he turns Louis in interview when he's like I ne- I'm you know I never had the luxury of ha- having anybody teach me these things so you should be so grateful for me to be here kind of thing and so like right. just introducing this bullshit completely negates the first part of the story we saw in interview not that this is I wouldn't even say that this is a direct sequel I don't even know if they're related by any means I don't like, do you think that I, I feel like they could have been but not really I mean I think with how much attention they paid to the story of interview with the vampire and then they get here and they tried to combine the vampire Lestat and queen of the damned and they just cheaply wrote it and pieced it together patchwork right and I guess that gets us into why that happened so according to what we've read um, the Warner Brothers had the rights to Anne Rice's Vampire Chronicles for a a timeline of 10 years and they made Interview the Vampire in 1994 and this movie was approaching the 10 year cutoff and Anne Rice in that time wanted them to make a sequel to Interview of the Vampire LaSalle which is the next book in chronological order instead of doing that they waited till the last minute to cheaply and quickly write a movie that combined Vampire Lestat and Queen of the Damned into one film and then release it as fast as they could while they still had the rights which makes it to me seem like it was just like a 
a money grab rather than a passion project or like right. something that people actually were making to make a good film, you know? Yeah, especially for the fans of the Vampire Chronicles. And I think is shutting Anne Rice out of the project completely was a horrible mistake. Like, this is her baby. This is her story. And I would be furious if anybody was going to make a movie about my book and they left all of my ideas out of it. I'd be pissed. Yeah, I mean, because this is not at all the world that I created, the characters I created. Like, some of the characters that are in this film... They're huge parts of Lestat's story, and we'll get into it later, especially when we come upon the ancients. But it's like, they're just so thrown to the wayside. And as a fan, like, as somebody who was a fan, like somebody like, say, Rum and Blood, who we referenced earlier. Yes. they They have every right at this point to be disappointed with with the product that came out, because it resembles not even an inkling of what of what the original story was other than that Lestat was a vampire there's a queen named Akasha like you know yeah and so I don't know I I I understand the criticism it makes perfect sense to me this is when we get our first glimpse of Akasha also oh yeah I mean she's a statue but we do get a little little hint of her a little glint of her yes we get a little glint of her in this like music video sort of montage (laughs) that was really popular in movies at this time we see it in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003 we see it here and we see it in Psycho. It really reminds me of Psycho. Like those moments yeah. in Norman Bates' head with like women in lingerie and then like cows. <laughs> it's kind of reminded <laughs> me of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's just like B roll of Aaliyah like laughing. She's like, ha 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 ha. And yeah, they're like, and going, great. <laughs> that looks evil. Yeah. <laughs> now hiss at the camera, Aaliyah. Just ah. <laughs> But even in these flashes of moments of Aaliyah, I'm like, she so far is the most charismatic character we've seen on screen. <laughs> I think we're just so badly anticipating her to show up at this point right and you know so we're like because the movie after all is called the queen of the damned and all of the marketing included Aaliyah, like the poster the trailer everything was Aaliyah. right and so we're like salivating for some akasha and so far this is all we've been given it's just like dang like dangling her in front of us <laughs> it makes us thirst for her you know <laughs> you are so dumb <laughs> <laughs> and then also just so people know like this was Aaliyah's last on-screen performance because Rock the Boat was her last music video and that came out October of 2001 and this movie came out February of 2002 which actually it just celebrated its anniversary which is like it's like what how many years is that 20 17 17 years 13 I don't know it came out it came out February 22nd of 20 or sorry 2002 Right, so that'd be 19 19 years. years. Oh my god. My god. Thank god we're gorgeous. (laughs) Our forte. (laughs) Was that like five years ago? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) All right, well, let's keep going. Okay. Hopefully, we'll run into Akasha sometime again. Hopefully. God, where is she? Unsatisfied with what she read, Jesse tracks Lestat down back to the Admiral's arms. Jesse enters the club, crawling with bloodsuckers feasting on humans, and is swarmed by three hungry vampires. When she claims that Marius is her host, and that he's an ancient, they laugh before letting her go to attack her outside. However, she's saved by Lestat, who wants to know about Marius. After dropping details from Lestat's past and his personal feelings about wanting to exist outside of the dark, 
He concludes that she's a Telemaskin, was found as journals. Jesse, now infatuated with figuring out Lestat, books a flight to Los Angeles to attend his one-night-only concert, ignoring David's cautious warnings. However, it's Marius who gets to Lestat first, reuniting for the first time in centuries. Marius warns him that the other vampires will not tolerate his flamboyant public profile. Marius also reveals that Akasha has awakened due to Lestat's new music and begs him to cancel his concert, which he refuses. Meanwhile, Akasha, who is searching for Lestat, arrives at the Admiral's arms. After the vampires reveal their plan to kill Lestat at his concert, Akasha torches the club and kills all the vampires inside. Oh. Oh, thank God. We finally finally got some Akasha, for shit's sake. Finally got some Akasha, I know. The Admiral's arms. So this vampire club, I know (laughs) you have a special connection with vampire clubs. (laughs) I do. I do have a very special connection with vampire clubs so (laughs) i think i was probably very inspired by this film because i did watch this film a lot when it came out just because i love vampire movies i I didn't care how shitty it was i loved it and um so i loved this and i remember loving watching blade and those two films have this very goth industrial vampire thing about them and they both have scenes with vampire clubs in them so uh long story short in high school i wasn't part of the drama club in high school because i was kind of snobby about it because uh, i was doing yeah yeah i was doing theater outside of high, of high school and so we were in I, a professional um, company yeah <laughs> and uh but they still uh asked me to do drama club things and I would sometimes oblige and um, I was asked to be uh, to have a section in the year's haunted house my senior year of high school and so I was in charge of an entire section it was the, it was the very first section you walked into and I turned the haunted house into a fucking vampire nightclub uh. like I was full on inspired by this film and Blade and I had girls I had like all my hot girlfriends. Of course. And, of course. And I had them dressed in like these skanky gothic outfits. When the guests would come in, I would blind them with a really bright spotlight. So like they're already sort of disoriented, but then they sort of see the silhouettes of, of my hot girl, like friends, yes. like in poses. And then I would play this la- <laughs> this techno version of Phantom of the opera that I found <laughs> with has like that has like these like screams in the background and it's like really funny. Ah. And yeah. <laughs> and they would walk through and it's like really intense. And as they walk through the girls dancing, there would be vampires hidden in the walls because the walls mm. were like made of black trash bags. Like that oh. we made like dividers yeah. with black trash bags. So they were all in black, but they would be on the wall. So when people would have to walk through the crowd of these girls, these vampires would jump out and grab the the girl dancers as they went by. And it was really cute and it was really fun. And the reviews were great. Let me tell you. The haunted house opened to rave reviews. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it did. Only my section though. The rest was, you know, your generic High school, school Halloween, bullshit. haunted house, bullshit. Yeah, they're like, oh, the clown, and ooh, the the Scary girl sewing a doll. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh god, boo. Mine yeah. was original, and it was fierce, and every it was the section that everybody talked about, and it was the first section. So the rest of the haunted house was shit after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I'm just kidding. I, don't I can only imagine if they were any good or not. But I, I'm pretty sure mine was fire and super original. Like, when's the last time you've been to a haunted house to have that? So, right, I'm proud never. Of that one. Unless you go to Folsom sure Street Fair in was... San Francisco, there's some vampires <laughs> up in there, <laughs> twisting ball yeah. sacks and stuff. <laughs> Literally, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's uh, that was my actual inspiration. I was just too embarrassed to say it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So the Admiral's Arms is kind of a cool. It's a cool atmosphere, you know. Like it's it's. I mean, this is like really. Cre- this is creepy. And the rest of the film sort of (laughs) lacks creepiness. And the Admiral's Arms really does a good job with creepiness. Right. Yeah. And I think it's like that, like, kind of old school London cobblestone-y kind of feel mixed with that, the goth vampires. And um, it feels, it feels cold. Like I, I, you go in there and it just looks like it's freezing. Yeah. Blue. Yeah. Everybody's like so porcelain white and cold. Dead. Yeah. uh, dead yeah and no and i think it's i think it's really exciting i think this whole section that we just read is the most exciting section of this whole film yeah i agree it's when there's the most action yeah i agree but i just think that um the attack of the three vampires on jesse should have been just elevated again like we needed scares yeah exactly and i think that they relied too heavily on that really poor visual effect of the vampires fucking flying around with the slow-mo thing around them. I hate it just that. looks bad. It looks Me so too. bad. It makes the, it cheapens the film. Like, just put them on harnesses and swing them around. Don't add this, yeah. like, stupid effect. I don't, I hate that. And I, if they could go back, I'm sure that's one thing they would take out besides the whole script. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it's, it looks really dumb. And, um, yeah, but I, I mean, as far as that section, I just think I like this. I like the setting of, like, the Admiral's Arms as far as this part. And, again, we have Jessie doing stupid shit. She, why is she at this club by herself? Like, she's constantly Literally taking her watching life. watching people die. Yeah, <laughs> she's just, like, taking her own life in her hands because she's infatuated. Like, okay. She whatever, has this bitch. desire to, like, turn into a vampire. But honestly, I think that they really just put Jesse in this film to give Lestat some sort of, like, purpose. Like, love. Yeah. And, which sucks because we talked about last time the erasure of the queer, the sexual fluidity yes. of Lestat's character. Yeah, especially because the character of Jesse and Lestat, like, in Lestat, they don't actually, they don't end up together in the book. As far as I know from what I've read. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I feel like they were really relying on um, appealing to a young teen generation in the early 2000s. And they needed to make it hot and sexy. And that doesn't include queer people back then, you know. No, it didn't. That's unfortunate. Because I think even Anne Rice says that Lestat is bisexual. Oh, for sure. So if you watch it, you can even you can even, I mean it's not like as present in um, Interview with the Vampire, but there is still a moments. lot of it. Homoerotic undertones. Oh, for sure. I mean, the whole movie is pretty much about two same-sex parents raising a, a child, raising Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I wanted to be Kirsten Dunst. I bet you did. Sandwiched in between Brad Pitt and Oh, well, yes, about Tom Cruise, that- yeah. Sure, nineties Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Wow, nineties Tom Cruise. Nineties Tom Cruise. Nineties Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. I would definitely be like, "Hey, daddies, can I snuggle in between tonight? Can I suck your dick, your blood?" Oh, you're right. 
<laughs> uh, and then we have this moment with Marius and Lestat. And uh, it's very, it's their first meeting in uh, 200 years. And it seems like they just have, they haven't seen each other in a few weekends. They're like, mm-hmm. oh my God, hey, what are you doing here? And then Marius just so casually drops that, oh, by the way, Akasha's awake. So, uh, <laughs> and she's killing people. So, look, fix that. <laughs> just, yeah, just, just like, look out for her. She might be. She might be making an appearance soon. Like, it's like, what? Come on. The stakes need to be a little higher. This moment between Marius and Lestat, um, it's kind of campy a little bit. Like, Marius's movements are sort of, like, flamboyant. And then... Sure. Um, he's as them... queer as we get. Right. Yeah, he is. And then we have them, like, sitting in front of this enormous billboard of the Vampire Lestat band. And they're, like, sitting right in front of his crotch. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the leather exactly crotch. I'd want to be. Yeah, <laughs> with your face pressed against it. <laughs> <laughs> Just like my mouth on it. Like, uh, oh, sorry. Like can somebody sorry. get that crackhead down from that billboard? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Marius is kind of hot though. Oh my I god, do. you said I this know. last. Time. I literally uh, sometimes I'm the one that has like questionable taste in older men, but this time yeah. it's you. I don't know. There's something. He's just so beautiful. Like, uh, like I, it's the vampire makeup for sure. I honestly don't know, know what he looks like outside of it. It sort of enhances but, the features of the of the. Actors. Yeah, I mean, you know, the porcelain white skin. I think they kind of contour them a little to make them look a little more sunken in, a little more chiseled. And he has just like stunningly beautiful eyes, which are highlighted with a little inner corner of shimmer at, which is hilarious because that's on every single vampire in this film I didn't notice that it's like, it's like you turn into a vampire and you have to have like a shimmery uh, inner eye inner corner of your eye highlight do you think it's like, the Talamasca palette <laughs> <laughs> yeah Talamasca yeah <laughs> Talamasca highlight yeah, brightens your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that bothers me, I do think that he is handsome, Marius, but I do wish they would have done something different with his hair. I know, I understand the receding hairline, but if but if Paul if, McGann, if David could have a wig, right? <laughs> yeah, David Talbot could have a whole ass wig. I feel like they could have done something fun to his hair. I mean, I think even Lestat, as Stuart Townsend, like his hair is kind of stiff. I just feel like they could have done more with it, but it looks stiff, boo. It looks stiff. Ooh, I know, and it's not the stiff that I want. <laughs> no. Yeah, boner. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and then we get to the scene of all scenes in this film. I think this is the standout highlight moment of it this is. film. And it is. This is why it was in every trailer, every TV spot, because it's the best part. Yeah, and this is the introduction of Ak- Akasha finally to the film in the Admiral's arms, where she slinks in all <sighs> sexy and fucks the place up girl she rips out hearts she sets people on fire oh my gosh so oh my god um Aaliyah, she, yeah. so she comes in as akasha and honestly i think she gives one of the best performances in the movie i think every scene that she's in she sort yeah. of steals it with her charisma she has this thing with her body and Stuart townsend does a really good job with like this sort of like feline movement and yeah. she has this more like pulsing like i don't know if it's like the thirst within her like her crave like you know what i mean like she's so hungry she's yeah. like pulsing i love Ooh, that yeah. movement that she does with her body and that is a hungry bitch that is for sure like that's like right. part of her character so she has an insatiable appetite i guess 
Like she's just yes. got to feed all the time. Um, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And I think that it's really obvious that her and Stuart Townsend really put in the work to find the physicality of their characters. I think that they cared about these characters. Even if I'm not a 100% fan of Stuart Townsend's version of Lestat, I do think that they they cared enough to really put in the work to find yeah. who these characters were, even though even for Aaliyah who who this character is only in 26 minutes of this film she at least put in the work and you could tell that it meant something to her and I think that makes a world of difference compared to everybody else in this film yeah she said she was really excited to be in this movie that she was ready to embrace the darkness that Akasha has and uh, I think she went for it and she totally dedicated herself to the character, but it just doesn't matter. Everybody else's performance doesn't match hers and, or, or Stuart right. Townsend as Lestat, but even he kind of falls short of the, what the energy that she's giving to Akasha. Totally. And this, let me tell you, this look is everything. Oh my God. The queen of the dams outfits like mama work. Yeah. Where does she, where does she keep all of them? She has several in this movie. I'm like, where does she shop? <laughs> I kind of feel like they just appear on her. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's like, sure, why not? She's just got a full wardrobe that magically appears on her like Elsa. I know. And the cosplay for Queen for uh, Queen Akasha, on fire, bitch. Jada Essence Hall from the winner of RuPaul's Drag Race season 12. Bitch looked stunning as Akasha. Nailed it. I think Normani did it for Halloween. She killed oh. it. And it, yeah, it's fire. Hers isn't as good as Jada's, but um, yeah, Jada put no, in but work. I what I really love about this character, and even no matter how I feel about this movie, I do feel like Aaliyah created an iconic horror character here, visually, you know, and especially one that female enjoyers of horror, and especially like black women who enjoy horror have an icon to look up to, like somebody they can see themselves on screen as, which I think we hadn't, we don't really have much of other than maybe now Lupita Nyong'o and us. I think that this character is super important and I love, and I, and I love that. And I think she looks stunning and she, she really kills this character. So I love that, that there is representation. The like image this. of Aaliyah as Akasha is sort of like a moment in pop culture that everyone's kind of familiar, even if they haven't seen the movie. Like I, this is my first time watching this movie, but I knew what Aaliyah looked like as Akasha and I knew like, you know, yeah. the poster and everything else. So totally, totally. Um, and then like, you know, her accent is whatever. It seems it's sort of throwaway. Like I wouldn't say that it's necessarily great, but you can tell that she was fucking committed to it. And yeah. I love that. I, you know, what's crazy is that they filmed the whole movie and then like in some parts, they couldn't understand her through her accent. So they had her brother come in and re-record some of her lines because they have yeah. similar like inflections in the voice and they just feminized his voice to sound more like her. I'm like, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they needed some ADR work and uh, luckily her brother was willing and able to do it and you know because unfortunately she she didn't even make it that far i mean like like she finished filming and then unfortunately the tragedy happened so it's so sad so sad one of the greats this gets us into a few more vampire rules and um one so number i guess we've added a few so let's say like five now um is Akasha can set vampires on fire. She has little pyrokinesis, as they call it. 
Yeah, yeah, some pyrokinesis. Similar yeah. to um, Marguerite Moreau's character in Firestarter 2. <laughs> where she takes on the role that Drew Barrymore birthed in the, the first movie. Then it's Marguerite oh Moreau. <laughs> I wonder if she gave her tips and she was like, hey, Aaliyah. So I yeah. just want to let you know, this is how I did it in Firestarter 2. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Anne Rice in her books, she calls it the fire gift. Mm, yeah see that's one thing i remember from the vampire chronicles is that vampires and i i think you brought this up last time like their age you know really enhances these powers um but they all sort of have specific gifts that they have like some can read minds some can do things akasha being the oldest vampire in existence she maybe i guess has them all yeah, I'm assuming, or at least a, a, a large handful of them. So one of them is she can set bitches on fire, and she can also she can also walk through fire, which um, which is pretty scary because a lot of vampire folklore is you know they're like set them on fire that'll kill them, and I guess not her. Not so fast, yeah. And also, um, she has like super strength, like for her to just dig up into this man's body and pull his heart out. Oh, I know. And yeah. then she takes that bite of it. Ooh. See, Ooh. and that's the thing, Aaliyah, again, like, the way she moves her mouth and her eyes and everything is, like, so, like, you're just invested in it. Yeah. Her. What do you think that heart was made out of? Um, I heard that the blood was, like, cherry juice. Yeah. But I, I don't know that. what the heart was. What do you think? Like, a... a... It, it looks like a fucking uh, stuffed pasta shell to me. <laughs> oh, like a big-ass pasta shell? Maybe that's what it is? <laughs> With the meatballs in it, yeah, that looks like some. That looks like the fucking five cheese marinara at Olive Garden on <laughs> the heart. <laughs> I know. Like I'm always interested in bite and knowing what those things are like when they bite into flesh in movies. Like, what is that? Yeah, what the fuck is it? I don't know. I guess we'll never know. Well, actually, maybe we'll, maybe we can ask somebody. We probably, somebody probably knows. Do some research. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but love it. Love Akasha. Finally, what we've been waiting for 51 minutes into the movie. <sighs> we finally get, we finally get our first interaction with Akasha. Our first so, taste. Um, let's keep, <laughs> let's keep going. So hopefully we get some more. Jesse arrives in Los Angeles in goth glam and is one of two girls chosen by Lestat's manager to meet the rock star. <laughs> oh my gosh. She booked rock of love. <laughs> Rock of love. <laughs> <laughs> be, let me be on me. <laughs> Rock my back, these bands. Rock my limousine. <laughs> Please let me be your rock of love. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Lestat is surprised to see that Jesse is one of the girls he was planning to feast on and sends the other girl away. And the other girl. <laughs> What is she? That poor say? other girl. She's like, I'm an Episcopalian. <laughs> <laughs> she's awful. Um, she, yeah, poor girl. She's like, she's like a fake goth. She probably, I don't know. I think he was fine. Better off not eating her. She probably tastes like chalk. Like, <laughs> yeah, she tastes like fucking talcum powders. Yeah, she's so foundation on. That yeah, Talamasca foundation. <laughs> Yeah, she so be the wrong just, color though. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, her neck is totally different color than her face. Yeah. Can you imagine her. biting into that? He could just scrape his teeth against the surface of her, uh, her oh face, my and gosh. it would be like a thick that layer. Me, my, of... fourth, my fourth oh. grade teacher, I always felt her foundation was so thick that I could use my fingernails and have it like 
and scrape, scrape off. it off with my off her nose specifically. Uh, I always wanted to do that. Every time I saw her, I was like, I just want to scrape that foundation off your nose. I never <laughs> did though. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Suspended. Yeah. So <laughs> Jesse returns Lestat's journal and asks him to show her what being a vampire is like. Lestat scoffs at the idea, but Jesse convinces him to spend his last moments before the concert with her, as they know that angry vampires will be at the concert to destroy Lestat. Lestat takes Jesse on a magic carpet ride. <laughs> <laughs> Come on with me, little girl, on a magic carpet ride. <laughs> so, no, they go flying over the LA skyline, landing on the historic Griffith Observatory. Observatory? Observatory? <laughs> Jesse asks Lestat to consider making her like him, but he laments about how precious her mortal life is. She continues, even cutting open her chest to offer her blood. Straight up safety pin in her titty. Just yeah, like, she said, she said, suck this titty, bitch. Yeah, what about if it was the end of my boob? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. You said no, but what about now? <laughs> <laughs> so Lestat angrily refuses and shows her what it's like for a vampire. He takes her to a park where a woman is about to be drained by a nameless vampire. When Lestat scares him away, he proceeds to aggressively feed on the woman, showing Jesse the unglamorous side of being the undead. This scares Jesse and causes her to rethink her request. Lestat scoffs at her and leaves. <laughs> Honestly, Jesse is the student of uh, the dark arts and vampires and all of this. How did she not know what they go through? I know. Like, I mean, maybe it's this like connection to the vampire world because we had a little hint of it at first. But we kind of come to find out that she's like a descendant of of this lo- you know, starting with a vampire. I don't know. So she has like some ancient connection to vampires and maybe that's why, but I don't know. It seems like just another poorly thought out decision by Jesse to want to become a vampire. I don't know. What do you think? Would you want to become a vampire if you, if you knew everything and like, like knowing what you know of vampires? No way. Even knowing what I know in my short 29 years of life, I know that I do not want to live on this world forever. <laughs> like, yeah. That I mean, is too much. That's, that's tough. Like, I mean, and, and I think that's one thing that this movie does well as in carrying through maybe a, a, a theme of Anne Rice's work is this like wrestling with the idea of eternity and mm-hmm. living it by yourself and the need for companionship. So, I mean, I guess they at least continued that throughout the film. Like, yeah, thank God. Sort of, yeah, love, um, wanting human connection. Yeah, wanting human connection and like, and also the idea of being upset with a human who wants to give that up. Mm-hmm. Like, cause that, cause this is something that, you know, he obviously longs for. He wants to be human, and she's so willing to give it up so easily. Yeah, uh, you know, he has a hard time processing that. Yeah, he's like, so, okay. why the hell would you want you? This is what you want. <laughs> I think he overdid it. I'm sure he could have daintily eaten that lady. Yeah, the napkin. Yeah, but just he... sort of like sucked the blood out and then just left her to die gently on the bench. But she, he was no. like ravenous about it. Yeah, and, he's like, I'm gonna make yeah. this dramatic as possible. 
That's like yeah. when you're mad at somebody and you're like, look, what, yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about when you're like over dramatic about something when you're <laughs> arguing with somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Look what you made me do. <laughs> yes. No, yes. <laughs> I thought he could have went even further and maybe did like that easy A moment and just been like, this is what you want. <laughs> <laughs> just down her <laughs> whole body, <laughs> chomping pieces <laughs> of flesh. <laughs> yes. Yes, just like waving around her, her the severed yeah. arm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is what you want. Oh, this! I'm gonna <laughs> pull her leg like off, smearing it, on, smearing yeah. it on his face. He's like... <laughs> he throws her head across the park, <laughs> kicks it like a yeah. kickball. Yeah. <laughs> this is what you want. <laughs> it just goes flying. If <laughs> Jesse's like going out, of, she's like <laughs> hiding from the body parts. <laughs> Oh my god! Opportunity missed for sure. I know. Gosh, maybe yeah. in the maybe in like the redo that AMC the revamp. Doing. Yeah, <laughs> the re- exactly. maybe in the revamp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So like I don't know. This whole Jesse Lestat storyline is very lukewarm to me. And again, I th- mm-hmm. think this is where I think probably last time we talked more about this queer erasure moment, but. Yeah, they're, like they're them having like this sort of sexual chemistry. Like it's not necessarily alluded to at this point that they're attracted to each other, but I mean, I, obviously this is where they're heading with it, and I just yeah. think it's more to appeal to like a young, sexy audience who want to, you know, who they want looking this for in that. A movie. Yeah, right. Exactly. They need to see Lestat get with the girl. Like, give me a fucking break. They don't need to do that. Serious fuckingly, because I think that Jesse, they could have made her like a stronger character just by making her more independent and being like, yeah, I want to become a vampire. And this is the person that I'm going to use to get this out of him and just right. made him, her completely uninterested. Maybe she's a lesbian even like just completely uninterested <laughs> in Lestat. She just needs his fucking, maybe she's a lesbian. <laughs> she just needs his eternal life force to turn her into something she longs for. Fuck all that other shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, totally. I think that's a way more compelling story if she had, if they'd gotten rid of the attraction between them and made it solely that she was a user. Try- yeah, a user. She was just <laughs> trying to convince him to make her what she wants to be. Yeah. Cause, exactly. Yeah, because what is it? She didn't know, really know Lestat before. Like, she was. It's not like. It's not like her. Her goal is to become a vampire forever to be with Lestat. Seriously. It's just to be, that's like just the to be least a vampire. Of her concern. She just yeah, happened to so, see him on MTV. I, <laughs> right. And bitch, what about this flying moment? Because I literally thought they were laying down and that there was like wind blowing. And then I was like, oh, oh my they God. were flying. Yeah, vampire rule number whatever we're on right now. They can fucking fly. Like, not just jump really high. No, they can fly, apparently. Just yeah. full on. And how they filmed it is hilarious. And to be, <laughs> to be honest, kind of cheap looking too. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's really bad. I was like, they're... I'm like, oh, so they're laying down. But I'm like, why are they showing them laying down? And then they're showing, like, the skyline of L.A. Like, who cares? And then I'm like, oh, they were flying. <laughs> what yeah, a mess. It looks like, yeah, it looks like they're just standing up. And then they tilted the camera to the side and blew wind on them. Like, it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. So Anne Rice calls this the cloud gift. And they can ride, oh. like, air. They can ride, like, waves of air. Ooh, they can ride it. Yeah, Ooh. like, yeah. Yeah, I'm show you it. how I ride. <laughs> <laughs> your honey, let's do it. Ride my bounty. No. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so 
So I guess it starts off as levitation. And again, like the older you get, the more you're able to like actually like maneuver yourself through air. Oh shit. So he has 200 years. Uh, he's like wine. He's just yes. getting more powerful with age. Powerful, and now he can fly. Powerful. Yeah. Oh, you know what? A rule that we didn't talk about was uh, the hypnosis. Ooh, yes. The hypnosis. Okay, yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Hip- I mean, it, I think that who gets hypnotized at this point? Does anybody? So I th- Akasha. Oh, I guess I knew Akasha. there was something missing. Yeah, because that guy, he, the vampire guy, he was like, I'm going to suck the blood out of you and kill you. And she's like, you're going to kill me, you know, and all this. And then she does that thing <laughs> You're with going her... to kill me? <laughs> you're going to kill me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. And so she does that thing with her, like, body, first of all. She's already doing that. And then, like, her hand, and she kind of, like you know, come here, come to me. It's sort of that Dracula thing. And then yeah. he goes to her, like, under her spell, and Anne Rice calls it the spell gift, and it's the gift of hypnosis. Ooh. Yeah, okay, yes, yeah, so she has them all. All in her little her little purse. Yeah, her little purse of tricks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Great, yeah, so she's a hypnotist. Yeah, she's a hypnotist. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's keep going, and hopefully we get more of that. (laughs) Yeah. It is now time for the concert taking place in the deserts of Death Valley, California. As Lestat flies onto the stage, he performs to a crowd of thousands of goths screaming his name. (laughs) Oh, wait. First of all, you said Death Valley, California. I just want to make mention to everybody listening... Every, we did, we're doing five movies in February, and they all take place on the West Coast. Oh, I know. Yeah, West Coast, West Coast. Right, West Coast, February. What's that? Hey, <laughs> yeah, this is our month. Of, yeah, secretly, it was our month of California. So, oh, I guess not all California because one of them yeah, takes place just in the West Seattle. Coast. Right, West Coast. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Also in the crowd are vengeful hooded vampires, as well as Marius, Maharet, and a handful of other vampire ancients. While Jesse watches from the crowd, the hooded vampires attack Lestat on the stage. He is backed up by Marius, and the two of them keep Lestat alive. Until Akasha explodes through the stage and immolates the vampire attackers. She grabs Lestat, and the two of them fly off into the night. This bitch... Akasha, can you handle this? <laughs> yes! Full on, it's like a fucking Beyonce concert. Boom! Through the stage. It's just hilarious. I'm like, why did Akasha come from below the stage? I just don't get it. Why she didn't fly in from the sky? She's like just to destroy the stage. She's like this fucking concert is over. Yeah, she's like I'm gonna I'm gonna show him what a real star is like, and she like puts yeah. a piece of dynamite under there. Like, how did she make it explode? It just blew up, and then she came out of it. <laughs> and the stats, can you handle this? <laughs> I'm like, okay, all right, work. She can blow... That's vampire rule number whatever. She can blow up, blow up through the stage. Akasha brings Lestat to a secluded beach where she tells him that she was awakened by his bold music. After killing her companion, King Ankle, she has her eyes set on Lestat as her new consort. The two of them will bring... <laughs> the two of them will bring the world to its knees together. After taking over a villa... The two share a night of passionate lovemaking and feeding on each other's blood. Meanwhile, Jessie has been taken to a hidden temple in the Mojave Desert, the one from her dream. She's reunited with her... <laughs> yeah, Legends of the Hidden Temple. Of the Mojave Desert. <laughs> yes. 
She is reunited with her aunt Maharet, who explains that she had a child when she was mortal and has spent her eternal life watching over the descendants of that child, leading all the way down to Jesse. When Lestat awakens the next day, he is startled by the sunlight on his skin. As he cautiously makes his way outdoors into the daylight, he sees the former residents of the villa dead and scattered all over the property. When he walks towards the beach, he can see that Akasha has drained the entire beach full of humans. Akasha claims her blood allows him to walk into the light, and their kingdom will look like the beach full of dead bodies. <laughs> Lestat detests, but Akasha assures him that they died because they believe in nothing, and together they will make them believe in something again. And that starts with settling a score with the ancients who she knows will plan to stop her. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, yes, we get the more of Akasha. She talks yes. like this. Finally. Yeah. She's like an, an Italian vampire. <laughs> so what do you think about this, like, this action-packed concert going on? Oh, my God. Well, first of all, I think the concert itself looks horrible to attend. It would absolutely be horrendous. So many people and not one Jumbotron. No, you How are you fucking supposed shit. to see the concert? I know. Do you think that was a budget restriction thing? I mean, probably. probably who knows? But they did uh, go to like a bunch of goth clubs and things and bust in like 3,000 goths. Australian goths. Australian goths to this concert. Where Rum and Blood is from. I wish he would have went so he could have gave us a first-hand account. I know. And he could have taken me. Hand in hand. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, you were like nine. <laughs> <laughs> Children of the night. Okay. Yes, I am a child of the night. <laughs> so honestly, so then this concert happens, and I will say that the most flamboyant thing about Lestat is his performing. Oh, yeah. This is like so, sort of like, I don't know, feminine, almost Mick Jagger. Yes. Kind of. The movement. Slinkiness about him. Yeah, like a cat, too. Very feminine. And he like takes off that jacket to reveal like a, a sheer mesh top. Mm. I'm, I'm like, you know what? He is kind of hot. I will say this hot. version of the stat has a sexy little bod. Even though he has like Kira Knightley's face. He's kind of. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the perfect balance of androgyny, like an androgynous face. Literally. Yeah. Totally. Like he looks like a woman and she looks like a man. And <laughs> together they they uh, look perfect. <laughs> yeah. They're like, like angels or something. Um, I will say yeah. though that I do not um, like that. I do understand that Stuart Townsend isn't singing, but I don't like that their voices are not, they're like entirely different. Like there's no way that this oh, is I him know. singing. <laughs> and then what? when he talks, it's like completely different. I don't know. That's just one of the things that in movies, when they lip sync, that it bothers me. <laughs> this is our first little introduction of the ancients. They're like standing here at this concert watching. And I'm like, this is another moment where Anne Rice fans I'm sure were probably appalled shit yeah appalled like just absolutely horrified is that these characters are huge deals in the Vampire Chronicle universe Mm -hmm. and the one that shocked me was like the blonde one in this movie is the same character that Antonio Banderas played in Interview with the Vampire I'm like they did not even try they didn't you know they just, you know, this character has like three lines and all the rest of the ancients other than Marius and Maharet, they're just 
they're just like background characters but these characters are apparently huge in these books that's crazy and there were also more of them the character of louie who brad plitt brad plitt wow bitch <laughs> brad clitt <laughs> <laughs> brad clitt played um the character that brad pitt played louie was supposed is in the books he's in this book too Oh. and uh, he's not anywhere in this movie. I don't oh know. They just, it just seems like they did not care Cheap. at all. And like just ruined it for people that were the people that were probably actually excited for this movie. Just ruined yeah, it. People that, that knew that what they were walking so into. The, I'm sure this was an absolute letdown. And then this whole martial arts fight on the stage. Oh, bitch. With the wire work. It's like, what is happening? Yeah. Like Lestat breaks out his like best break dancing moves on the stage to kick that one vampire. I'm like, Ugh. this is insane and crazy. I know, and it doesn't and feel decap- it doesn't feel action packed. Like you know, it's kind of just like no, you're just waiting it, for the next thing to happen because you're like whatever. Yeah, even though technically action is happening, it does not feel feel action packed. That's the perfect way to put yeah. it. Yeah, it's lackluster like the rest of the movie. <laughs> like yeah. the performance. Yeah, what a shock. Yeah. So um, then we get to this stunning villa that Akasha, oh. I guess, has set her sights on this this resort. I wish timeshare. they would not have like panned <laughs> over to it. Like they should have sort of like they they short it. Oh my god, they sort of show like these torches and like you know they look kind of ancient. And then they go over to the house and it's like this like Spanish style mansion. Like, <laughs> just, like yeah. a cut out of a, you know yeah like, wow <laughs> with perfectly green grass. Like it doesn't look wicked yeah. or menacing at all. No, <laughs> she's like I love this place. It reminds me of ancient. Egypt. Look at these IKEA tiki torches, just <laughs> yeah. like we had. <laughs> and I like how, like, she like, basically is- infiltrated this, you know, house. But she already has the inside like perfectly decorated to her likings, like the bathtub. Oh yeah, <laughs> she's like, I have hella roses that I brought. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna sprinkle them all in the bathtub, which I love. Like when her hand comes out of the bathtub, and it yeah, sort of seems like she's underneath, pleasing. but then she's not because like her hair is perfect and just the tips are yeah. wet. Is that just bad editing? I don't, I don't know. know if it was bad editing or if it was like, no, nah, I'm not going under there because I'm Makasha. This wig took so long to style. Yeah. There's no in hell you're getting under there, Aaliyah. Yeah. So hand only, and then we're putting the wig on you, and then we're shooting your face. She was like, so. I'm not going to go past here because it's going to fuck up with my hair. <laughs> <laughs> so, But I do like that scene. I think it's very, like, it's very sexy. Like, here we are. We're watching them do it because mm-hmm. why not? And yes. um, so then we get to Akasha's plan. And her big plan is simple. World domination. That's all she wants. Oh, my God. And she does a pretty good job so far. I mean, she has a bunch of people dead already. Yeah, she killed everybody on the beach. But I don't know. It still feels a little small to me. Like, all right. You got you to gotta amp this up. True, Akasha. because she says, this will be our kingdom. And it's sort of like this empty beach. With just yeah, there's body, there's bodies. like twenty people. There's like like twenty dead bodies, and she's just been snacking all night. She maybe has some insomnia. I know. And um, but here here we get to another random sort of vampire role, and I guess it's drinking Akasha's blood makes you a moon, a um, uh, a moon, uh, a moon. Yeah, you just become a moon. Um, <laughs> You just become immune. I don't know why we can't speak today. What's wrong with us? 
<laughs> um, yeah, you become immune to sunlight. You won't die. Which I'm like, did he know about that? No. He... In the earlier scene when he drank from her blood and... I know. Did, could he go in the sunlight then? Did he just not know? Or did, was he just younger and metabolized it faster? So it didn't, wor- it didn't really work back then. Now he's like older. So it's like it lasts longer. Yeah. In the system. I don't know. Just feels like a weird continuity error. <laughs> yeah. We're like, oh shit. We Nobody will notice. Nobody will notice. <laughs> don't you sort of wish that she um, would have like taken him onto the beach and saying rock the boat? <laughs> <laughs> Yes! Oh my god, that was an opportunity missed it for her to have a song in the soundtrack. Is she stepping is she stepping on the backs of her victims? Yeah, she's like, bite the neck, bite the neck, drink the blood. <laughs> <laughs> I know. They I, this whole movie is pretty much just been one big music video. It, it seems like an opportunity. I know, missed. I know. At first I was like, why does Aaliyah have no song in the soundtrack? And then I watched the movie and it made sense. You're like, oh, I get it. Can you imagine? Just one random R&B song on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Or do you know what? I think she could have uh, attempted, you know, some sort of goth metal. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Why that would have been cool. If Paris Hilton can do it in Repo, the genetic opera, she could have done it too. Seriously. Uh, Aaliyah <laughs> definitely could have. They could have done something to just, even if it was like a, like end of, you know, at the end of the credits or during the credits or whatever. Yeah, or just giving her like some sort of orchestral vampire-like song that uh, that sounded like the score of the film. Yeah, maybe giving her something like whimsical and dark and wicked sounding. Yeah, it didn't have to be the goth rock from the movie, but it could have been uh, at least a a, like a cinematic or even just like a wink to the audience. At least like like what if she told um, Lestat like, "I need a new consort. I need a new king." Are you that somebody? Tell me you're. Tell me you're that somebody. (laughs) 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 Oh my gosh, that's hilarious! Yeah, but you know what, Akasha, she doesn't as much as world domination is her ultimate plan. She doesn't really want much other than to just drink and fuck. Mm -hmm. She just wants to. She's like any other girl on the go. Oh my god! And do you know what? She always falls for the guy in the band. I mean, always. You know, typical. I was like, why is Akasha like the enemy? Like, okay, sure, her intentions, her motivation of yeah, she wants to kill all humanity and vampire kind alike. Like what? Big whoop! But I mean, vampires are. I mean, the vampires in this universe are consistently like killing people. So uh, what makes her so different? They probably accumulated the same body count as her yeah but also but she also wants to drink them too i think that's another thing she like wants the she likes to drain vampires and kills kill them too uh. she just has an insatiable appetite for death and that is what the, i mean we don't know much more than that yeah we don't really get a full detailed explanation of what she really wants other than to take over the world and just drink and have everybody bow down to her beautiful feet. I know. I'm just hypnotized by Akasha. I just want her to be do well. <laughs> right. And I think, and for me personally, I think my favorite Akasha look is this one on the beach. I think she like with that like straight, straight wig, wig. That long one. Oh, yes. and like the contacts and the makeup that they do on her. She looks so stunning. And I and I never really noticed before, but her smile is so endearing and so beautiful. I know. And with, with the teeth and without the teeth. Yeah. Well, 
I just love that you can see like her face, like everything's pu pulled back her hair and everything because Leah has a stunning face. And I feel like a lot of her music career was spent with like her bangs, like covering half of her face and like the bandanas yeah. and the little sunglasses. And like, there was always some kind of distraction around her face. And I think she has a stunning face that needs to be seen. So I'm glad we get to see it here. Right. Totally. Totally. And then, uh, oh yeah, Jessie, she's a descendant of vampires, and I guess that's the reason she has a fascination with them and wants to be one. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm Jessie, <laughs> and I come from a line of vampires. Who cares? Yeah, I made me vampire. I, yeah, it's stupid. I want to be like fine. my auntie Maharet. <laughs> uh, yeah, dumb. Boring. Anyway, so I know. Cool, boring. <laughs> Who cares? Here's the thing. There was, the character of Maharet She's supposed to have a much more prominent role in Akasha's life. And, you know, so like this leading up to this final confrontation between her and Maharet, between Akasha and Maharet, it doesn't mean anything in the movie because we don't know anything about their connection. Yeah. But according to the books, they have a humongous epic connection. Maharet had a, a, her and I guess she has a twin. The twin's name is, uh, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this correctly, Vampire Chronicle fan, so don't. Slay me. <laughs> M-E-K-A-R-E. I'm going to say Makare. So Maharet and Makare, they're like these uh, witches in ancient Egypt. And this is before there was any vampire kind. Basically, Akasha and her husband, they're like interested in the supernatural and like spirits and stuff. And so they, they invite these twins to uh, commune with spirits with them. And they, like, refuse. Okay. They don't want to do it. They don't want to, like, help her for some reason. And so she sends hella, like, soldiers to go get them. And while they go to get these twins, they, like, interrupt, like, a funeral ceremony for their mother. And part of their mm. witch traditions is to eat her heart and her brain. Oh. And they get there and they're like, oh, my God, what are you doing? <laughs> they're like, you're fucking eating people. You're cannibals. And we need to... Um, put you on trial now <laughs> so they like take uh, they take Maharet and her little sister McCarran and they um <laughs> and they're like get put on trial and Akasha's like asking him all these questions and apparently they get real rude with her oh sassy little witches yeah sassy little witches and she, she doesn't like that and so she orders them to be raped. Oh my God, that's dark. And so in revenge, they summon up this spirit named Amel. This spirit now like haunts Akasha and Ankle and like torments them and knocks shit over their house. He's like an annoying poltergeist, drives them mad. Apparently they go crazy. And so then, like, these, like, people come in. They, like, see that they're they're going crazy. And they know that Akasha and Ankle are interested in spirits. So they decide to come and kill them. So they, like, come in the middle of the night. And they, like, stab and kill Ankle <gasps> and Akasha. And uh, her when her soul leaves her body, that evil spirit, Amel, who's in the house, meshes with that spirit and goes back into her body, thus creating the world's first vampire. Wow. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. See... What a crazy story that I probably horribly butchered just like 
they would have if they had written well, into the movie. Well, I'm sure that your summary was perfect, sweetie. I think that, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I think that that's a cool storyline. I wish they would have like explored that a little bit more so that Maharet had a bigger presence in the film, even if she wasn't in it, rather than Jesse. Like, Jesse adds nothing to the storyline except a sort of love interest to Lestat. But Maharet's story with Akasha and history is so much yeah. more appealing and would make this final climax so much more exciting. Yeah, and more compelling. Absolutely. So, speaking of this climax, why don't we get into it and finish this movie up? Knowing Akasha's plan to take over the world, the ancient vampires discuss their plans to destroy the queen by drinking from her and draining her of her blood. However, they believe that whoever drinks the queen's last drop will not survive. One of the vampire roles in this foreshadowing I told you (laughs) empowered and spellbound by Akasha's blood Lestat and the queen confront the ancient vampires and Jesse when they refuse to join her Akasha then commands Lestat to kill Jesse as the queen sees her both as an enemy due to being Maharet's descendant and as food with Akasha making an example out of her for those who dare disobey her command Lestat ostensibly obeys, but after drinking Jesse's blood, comes to his senses and is released from Akasha's power. Sort of like the kiss of the prince, right? Right. Lestat then turns on her and begins to drain Akasha's blood. With the help of the ancients, Akasha's power diminishes. Maharet is the last to drink Akasha's blood, killing Akasha. Lestat goes to Jesse and cradling her in his arms, gives her his blood as Maharet turns into a marble statue and sleeps, becoming the new Queen of the Damned. Work. Lestat and Jesse, who is now a vampire, visit David and return Lestat's journal. When asked by David what it is like, Jesse jokingly offers to turn him into a vampire, to which he replies, he's too old for immortality. Like, sweetie, this lo- this wig is not going to last forever. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse then bids David goodbye and leaves with Lestat. A few moments later, David is greeted by Marius, the object of his obsession. Ooh. The film closes with Lestat and Jesse walking hand in hand among mortals into the night. The end. <laughs> All right. So this third act, I have to say, is completely disappointing. Absolutely underwhelming. What the fuck? <laughs> This whole final confrontation between Akasha and the Ancients is, like, laughably bland. Bad. What the hell? Like, where is the action? Where is the fight? Like, there's no fight. There's nothing. There's, there's nothing. There's never... An, what this climax needed was a moment where we saw that Kasha... Kasha, Mrs. Kasha Davis. <laughs> There's always time <laughs> that, for a cocktail. <laughs> that Akasha could potentially win this fight. She sort of shows yeah. up and they attack her and then she dies. And she kills like one of them. Oh like, yeah, she kills like yeah, two of them. She sets them on fire. Or is yeah. it just one of them? I think she's one and then the and then Armand woman starts yeah. to catch them. The fire female one. He, I don't even know her name, but I'm sure she's a humongous character within the universe. Right. What a waste. I know, yeah. It, it's just so lackluster and just it needed so much more. Imagine how there been a fight. Like from what I know from reading about the book, again I haven't read it, but 
Akasha cleans up. She's killing vampires left and right. It's like a thing. It's not like that. it's not like this was ever going to get a sequel, and they should have known that. Like they were going to lose the rights regardless of making this movie or not. So it's like just finish it off. Like just kill, have her kill everybody and just get down to Maharet Lestat and Jesse, and she's like swelling with energy and yes. blood and. You know, yes. give us something to be like. Oh my God, she's gonna win! She, yeah, and then Nothing. and then yeah, and, and then have the Lestat save the day or something like that. But this version of it is just a hot mess. Boring. And again, if we would have had Maharet's storyline with Akasha yeah. and their history, could you imagine how compelling that would have been? That would have been a, amazing, and it would have been like more epic than what it is. Like this is like not fun. Yeah, it's like she shows up. It's like why were they even scared of her if they could take her out? in no time in two seconds flat basically the plan was just grab her hair and I'll just start sucking like, <laughs> <laughs> okay just grab that bitch and we're gonna suck the life out of her and well, it's gonna be also over. after all this fear over the you know the rising of Akasha we get to this point and basically the way it's written is Akasha has no power <laughs> with all the yeah, other like, ancients yeah she has power but it's like oh yeah vampire rule she's also telekinetic she throws maharet against that pillar so she has she does she does have things in her back pocket yeah, and it doesn't seem like a, any of them are used other than maybe setting one of them on fire right like, what is this why um, did this is our epic conclusion and rice calls the telekinetic uh and telepathy the mind gift Ooh, I love that. We should have like an infinity, infinity war of collecting all of these. Yeah, like right? a movie, a movie where they did that. That's maybe crazy. not. Maybe that's a bad idea. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. Look at this. But yeah, so like she has all of these like things her her purse of tricks, and she brings out almost nothing except like a couple of old school tricks that they seem to be like they're like no big deal. Yeah, it's just it's just very disappointing and super rushed. Yeah, super rushed, and the CGI when she's in that back bend, when she's like completely turned to like black stone or whatever, it looks terrible. Yeah. That, it does, that it's is not very good. That's also a bad effect. It could have been really, it could have been really cool. Like the end, you know, if Akasha would have put up a bigger fight, they could, she could have had a really cool ending with like this, like just how she diminishes. Yeah, into thin air. exactly. And I think that just it's a disservice to the character because it makes her less scary. Makes her and look weak. Yeah. It makes her look weak. And it's like, okay, why is she why is she the namesake of this film? Right. Why are and we scared of the Queen of the Damned? Because she can explode through a stage. And like, at this okay. point, like Akasha has been such a powerful presence and something to be feared. And then we get to this point and it just seems like all of that flew out of the window. And they're just like, let's hurry up. Let's just get this film over with. Like, yeah. oh my it- god. It's really too bad. Um, but, I mean, what can you do? This is the ending of the film. It's the one we got. And honestly, it tracks with the rest of the movie. Just one big disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your final thoughts on this film? Well, I I do say that I could definitely watch it. It's watchable for me. It's it entertaining. And I have a lot of fond memories of it because I liked it growing up. And I love seeing Aaliyah in this role especially since it was her last one and it's sort of a, a last keepsake we have as as people who um, you know enjoy her and um, mm-hmm. so I like it for for those things I don't think it's a particularly good film no. I do find myself being able to sing along to the soundtrack I still know that I think it's good 
Yeah, but and I'm also just incredibly disappointed with the the sort of queer erasure in it that Lestat has been stripped of anything that could potentially be fluid in his in his sexual in his sexuality and or I think even that's such, just and true to the character that Anne Rice wrote. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Agreed. What about you? I would say that this movie had potential. Like, even if they were yeah. going to butcher the storyline the way they did, I just think that they could have made it scarier, creepier. I think they could have made these climactic moments just over the top and, like, really went there with it. But otherwise, I think they had some really good setups. I think the music is good. I think the set design is good. I think that they could have found... They should have spent more time searching for stars to play the main roles, at least. Um... I think that honestly, Aaliyah as Akasha is the best part of this movie. Totally. And like you said, it is one of those things. I mean, this was only her second movie and she had a couple of other right. movies lined up, but of course, yeah. you know, with her passing, she right. came in. And I think that like we were saying in the last recording that this really showed off a lot of potential that she had as an actress. Like, yeah. yeah and I don't think this, this film like is particularly like a great showcase of her acting. But I do think it shows that she had potential to be a star. Yeah. As far as like her commitment to a character and pulling it off. Yeah. Her commitment to diving into a character for doing the work. um, I think that shows potential that she really could have made it in in the film industry. And it's very disappointing. I know. know. Disappointing. But it's, it's a tragedy that we'll never get to see that. Honestly, though, the music that she has still slaps, so. Oh, for sure. Um, (laughs) What do you think about the future of the Vampire Chronicles? Well, honestly, Anne Rice has gotten a lot smarter with her rights to this this project. Thank God, bitch. You have two years to make something. And if you don't, I'm moving on to the next one. So it's like Universal had the rights to this. uh, The Hulu had the rights to this. And then finally, AMC now has the rights to it, where they're going to develop both the witches and the vampires of Anne Rice's universe and develop them into a TV show. Yes, I'm assuming maybe called the Vampire Chronicles or something along those lines. But yeah, what makes me most excited about it is the potential to retell this particular story in a in a good way mm-hmm. <laughs> like to do a well done version of the queen of the damned whenever they eventually get to that point um because you know i personally love interview with the vampire i think it's a really uh strong adaptation it's not perfect it has its moments too that mm-hmm. deviate from the book and whatever but um i think that queen of the damned wasn't uh, is obviously not the same caliber of quality. And so to potentially have something coming out that could rectify that and give fans of this series the, the Queen of the Damned story that they deserve yeah. is really exciting. And I and I look forward to seeing who takes on the, the character and see what they do with it and how they interpret it. Because I'm sure this... Because even from what I've read, like this interpretation of Akasha is already very different from the one in the in book. The, in the book, yeah. So yeah. I would, I'm curious to see who takes on. Who would you like to see play that? Uh, Akasha. Oh my yeah. gosh, that would be hard. Naomi Smalls. Naomi Smalls <laughs> or Simone from uh, season 13 of Drag Race. Yeah, just that would actually be kind of queen. stunning. Yeah, like yeah. why not? Like. Fuck it. Sure. <laughs> Jada Essence Hall, Simone. Hell yeah. Give him a chance, darling. Yeah, why not? 
That'd be great. No, I would so, love to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and also we were talking about Lestat possibly being like Matt Bomer. Remember? Ooh. Yes, Lestat can be Matt Bomer or Louie. I would see him as the Brad Pitt character. Yeah, we don't want any homoerotic undertones. We want it like full blast. Uh, Yes, I want them to lean in, bitch. I want to see some neck sucking and some dick sucking. (laughs) (laughs) So your final rating of this film, what would you give it out of five? All right, I give this a uh, two fangs out of five. (laughs) I would give this... um, one and a half just be yeah, and I, I, probably your half point bigger than mine is probably because you just have a history of the nostalgia of it for, yeah, yeah. I, I used to love it i like yeah like there are parts of this film that i could recite like watching i was like wow i really loved this movie as a kid <laughs> yeah <laughs> obviously my taste my taste has obviously uh elevated honestly a bit, if you but. take out the elements of it being an adaptation of Anne rice's work and you just make it like a fun vampire movie it doesn't it falls. It still falls short, but it's not completely unwatchable. Like I think yeah, that the hopeless. Rotten Tomatoes score is like twelve percent, and it's like I don't think that it deserves that low of a score, but it would still be rotten. You know what I mean? Like it's still yeah. like not quite there. Absolutely. No, I agree. No, you are absolutely right. So, and honestly, all bad. hail the queen and the princess of R and B, Aaliyah. Yes. Ugh. Love I her. want you to to get to me. <laughs> what to say to have your way when you give up? <laughs> your love is a one and a So that wraps it up, right? For this episode. That wraps it up. That puts a, um, a steak in it that lights uh, lights this bitch on fire. There's plenty of things we could say right. about this one. <laughs> we, we really sank our teeth into it. Um, I... <laughs> And also, we just want to remind everybody that we're doing Here the Talking Queers, our non-horror episode, once a month. And so we have this week two episodes. So we have this one, and then we are going to be doing Ingrid Goes West in a couple yes, days. Yes, in two days on Friday. comes yes. out. Don't forget to follow us on all of our social media. We have Instagram. Follow us at Fear the Talking Queers. Email us, fearthetalkingqueers at gmail.com. Um, you could go to our new website and our new merch shop. It's www.fearthetalkingqueers.com slash store. Yes, we have it all. Well, with that, we this redo of Queen of the Damned, I think, was a success. Yes, I think we recaptured the magic. I think we did. So um, I guess we bid you all a sweet screams, bitch. Bye.